Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tuesday Conversation with Friends. And today, I have a very special guest, Ming Mei Yip, Ye Ming Mei. And、uh, well, let's welcome you to this conversation as well. As, would you tell us a little bit about who you are? Which is incredible, by the way. So, <laughs> thank you, Shirley, for inviting me to this、um, conversation. Uh, actually, who am I? <laughs> Some people, you know, are looking for their identity their whole life. I think somehow I don't need to do that because I know very clearly what I want to be when I was eight years old. I guess、mm-hmm. I remember I told my father、um, I wanted to write books when I was eight years old. Why trigger me that I want to write books? I don't remember that. It was. You know, a long time ago. So I remember I told him I want to write books. And one time, my mom took me to see some kind of opera performance. We were on the way back. There was the moon hanging up in the sky. And I looked at the moon. I told my mother, I said, "Mother, the moon really looks like a clipped fingernail in the crescent." Yes,、moon. right. It looks like a clipped fingernail. I remember my mother said, "Oh wow, you're going to be a great writer." <laughs> right. So, so for those of you who don't know, right, Mimi、yeah. is a, is a best-selling author in both Chinese and English in several different countries. Right. And then there's also a very special gift you have in the area you study, which is in music, in Chinese music. Would you tell us a little bit about that? Actually,、um, this I have to thank my father. Because he was, he graduated from a conservatory in China. Oh, <laughs> he he,、um, he was a baritone. Oh,、so、he taught me to sing、uh, when I was very young, also a child. I I don't know how young, maybe eight years old, nine years old. So I learned all these so-called Chinese art songs that people、mm. don't sing anymore, like Hong Dou Qi. Yes, bean, you know, <laughs> right? Red bean and Tian Lin, Tian Lin Ge. Mm-hmm. And、uh, many, many, he taught me. Uh, Ta Xue Xun Mei. Hmm. Ah.、Uh, right. 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 About her, something like this. He taught me many, many of these art songs when I was a child.、Mm-hmm. And also, particularly, I remember he taught me, Kang Ri Ge Qi. Because he experienced that. Right.、Himself. Yeah. Right. So I learned a lot of those.、Um, I can sing the national anthem. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, I I could sing that when I was very young, you know. Right, right.、Um, so it was really the national anthem was the time. Yi Yongjun, Yi Yongjun, Qin Xin Qi in the past. Right, right. I learned all this when I was small, and、uh, <laughs> I think I. I distract myself too much. <laughs> What is、uh, it? Okay. Yes.、Yeah, so, so at the at the end of the program,、oh, you yeah, will get、so、to hear a clip of of Mimi singing. By the way, so yeah, so stay so with us until my, the end. Yeah, that's right. In my in my head. Right, right. I was about ten, I guess. Not not young, not too young. Ten or eleven, I don't remember. And then he sent me to、uh, take piano lessons.、Mm-hmm, of、know. course. Yes. Yeah, and um. And yeah, and then I, I love it. <laughs> a lot of kids they have, they have to be forced to practice the piano, right? And you just went no, right. No, no, I'm just voluntarily tested the piano and to. I understand that, that feeling. That's how I was too, right? 
So when I read the article, sometimes you see a prodigy and some people will come and oh, he, he, he doesn't have a childhood. He was forced by the parents to, no. to practice. Completely not true. You can't force a, a child to be a prodigy. You cannot force because they love you. Um, there's an innate love to it. I, I, do, I do believe that. Yeah. Now, then, so so how did that lead to the guqing? And so oh, I do want yeah. to talk a little bit about that because um, now just to recap a little bit, Ming Mei was born and raised in Hong Kong and moved to the States. And uh, so so in her earlier years, she has uh, had a lot of exposure to multiple types of art forms. And one of them is this uh, ancient instrument guqing. Would you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so all my education was modern and Western education in the past. Mm -hmm. I learned the oil painting before I went to Chinese painting, and the piano before I went to the music. And how to put it? Um, okay. When I was in graduate school, I believe, um, actually, I learned the junk, the junk, because mm -hmm. I like to learn. I just love to learn my whole life. So any chance that I could learn, I learned. Any anything, <laughs> teach me Greek, Hebrew. I learn. I just <laughs> love to learn. So I started with the jung and then the erhu, the the uh -huh. two strings, you know. And then I had a classmate. Uh, he was actually a couple of years older than I am. Then I because we were young, and then we treat, treat him as an old man. <laughs> that old man. <laughs> That's so, very Chinese, right? <laughs> only a couple of years, but when you are young, then they seem old to you. Right. And then he said, your temperament, you should not play the junk. Because the Qin people looked down upon the junk people in the past. Mm -hmm. Don't do that now because of politically incorrect, right? But at that era, and you play the you play the Qin, you look down the junk and the pipa because they're yeah. common folks people. Common folks instrument, shu yue, common uh. folks. Qin is for the literati, the noblemen, the noble people, the educated scholars, the literati, you know, and that they are, they form an elite group. They're very, ah. they, they're very snobbish people. So, and then he told me that you shouldn't play, should been playing the jam and all this, you know, <laughs> and you should play the chin. And of course I heard of the chin, I know what the chin was then, but I didn't even know that I could learn the chin because the jam and the uh, were available uh, in the school then. There are teachers mm -hmm. there, no teachers on the chin. I didn't know about that. He said, do you want to learn a gym? I said, of course. Anything, I said, I want to learn. So finally, he taught me to see, he said, your temperament, you should not learn the junk, you should learn the chin. Yeah. So he recommended me to his teacher because the teacher was almost, I could say, that's the only one chin teacher in Hong Kong then, wow. was about 40 years ago. And not only she was the only one teacher, and she was the best. Wow. It's just, she was the best. You can be a very, I mean, not a very good player, but you're the only one and you teach. It's automatic. <laughs> so I consider myself really very lucky to have met my teacher. I have to do Wow. I have to say thank you for my. <laughs> wow. So let's take a look because I have a clip of you playing it because I think um, music is to be heard and seen. Right, yeah. because otherwise it's just it's not real. So let's take okay. a look. Yes.
really something and really quite interesting and beautiful. And I know when you were in Hong Kong, you were associate professor for the university. And uh, in our conversation, you mentioned there is a deep association between Guqing and the Buddhist studies and the Buddhist music. Could you tell us a little bit about the, the relationship between the two and maybe a little bit of history of how they come about? You mean the Qin and Buddhist music? Yes. Okay. Qin has been the literary instrument for, you know, about a long, long time, you know, 2,500 years at least. And um, how to put it? So literary, that means they learn the people. And in China, I mean, in Chinese culture, a lot of people always inspired or influenced by two philosophies, right? Confucianism, Taoism, mm -hmm. and then later Buddhism. Always these three philosophies. Mm -hmm. So when they compose a piece or when they write an article about the Qin, they always have this, you know, Confucius um, approach to the Qin, Taoist mm -hmm. approach to the Qin. Confucius approach to the Qin is you have to think about virtue when you play the Qin. Because playing the chin is a form of self-cultivation, self-entertainment, not to please other people, not try to, to be flirtatious and please other people. You cultivate yourself. What's the point of cultivating yourself to be virtuous or to reach you know, a higher level, spiritual level? So when they talk about, and because truism or Confucianism, always the relationship between people and people. You have right, right. Self-cultivate. Taoism is somewhat the opposite. We have these two things, you know, kind yeah. of opposite, but they also yeah. complement each other. Taoism is the relationship with nature, yes, with heaven. So the highest goal of playing the chin is to reach this state called union with heaven, mm -hmm. humanity with heaven, union with heaven. What is heaven? I mean, because we don't have a personified God as in Western culture. We don't right. have that Chinese culture. So it's heaven. Tian, the universe, the cosmos, you know, that kind of I mean, abstract and grand energy, okay? Right. So you have to be one with heaven. That means you have to play to the point that people cannot see your struggle and play. You're not struggling breathing and you're struggling with your fingering. You're just completely one with the whole universe. You forget yourself, you forget the universe. It's just one empty, <laughs> empty, empty space. So later when Buddhism was introduced to China in, mm -hmm. uh, during the Han Dynasty, and they start to influence the Qin, but the influence of Buddhism is not as strong as Confucianism or Taoism, because first, it's a foreign religion. It's not you know, a Chinese local mm -hmm. religion. And second reason is also because um, the aesthetic of, um, of Buddhism applied under the Qin is already uh, co coincide a lot with Taoism because let's say Taoism uh, emphasis on we have a lot of empty space in Qin music especially the lingui tones we call the vibratos uh, we have a lot of so-called empty tones empty space and Buddhism emphasis on emptiness right Kong, mm -hmm. yeah right uh, uh, like has to emptiness is you know um, uh, form form is emptiness and Taoism also, the aesthetic is also emptiness. The mm -hmm. emptiness revealed in the, I mean, expressed by these vibratos, a lot of empty quality to the tones, and the emptiness revealed the ongoing Tao, because the Tao is invisible, you know, you don't touch it, mm -hmm. you don't smell it, it's like empty, emptiness. 
So because they both kind of emphasis on emptiness, so they merge together. So we don't have a separate, oh, this is the influence of Buddhism. We don't, we don't have much of that. Right. But on the other hand, having said that, there are about, if I remember correctly, seven pieces with um, Buddhist content. Actually, we have a piece called the Heart Sutra. The Heart Sutra. Because there are a lot of Xinjing pop songs now. That's one right, right, right. Send one, you know, on the So a lot of people, you know, try to uh, make music, compose music uh, to the Hasutra. Mm -hmm. So Qin, we have two Hasutras in the Qin repertoire, but it's later in the Qin dynasty, something like this. And more traditional piece, we have one called the Pu An Zhou, mm -hmm. incantation of the monk Pu An. And a lot of people try to use this piece now, saying that um, it's a piece of blessing. You listen to the piece, you feel calm, you feel blessed. So a lot of people try to play this piece, especially during the pandemic, to calm people, you know, or teach this piece as a blessing to the world. It's the Puanzong. And whether the Jin has this magical power, I'm not going to discuss, because some people insist. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's a... It's up to the person's opinion, yeah, right? Person. But that was the intention yeah. in how this came to exist. And and um, there are what what other? So there are about six or seven pieces. Is on um, how to put it is on. And actually, I did write a whole article, a long article, and uh, on Zen Buddhism and Qin music. And I present. I gave talks many times on this topic, Zen Buddhism and Qin music. Yeah, mm -hmm. because I analyze their characteristics. Wow. Um, yeah, they have, yes. I mean, a, a, a very famous Japanese scholar called Hisimashu. He actually published a book um, on the seven characteristics of uh, Zen art. And I was, I studied Zen art for a long time, but I never get it clear. What can you define Zen art or Buddhist art in that in that matter? Okay, actually you can't. You can't. He he brought up seven characteristics: emptiness, um, uh, uh, asymmetry, antiqueness, blandness. He, he brought up like seven of these loftiness. But this, this can all apply to Taoist art. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah. I think I think there's a a lot of people try to separate and define the Taoism and the Buddhism. No, but yeah. there's so much such blending between them, and uh, that and, and I know um, of course the Buddhist study also was part of what brought you and your husband together. You were in Hong Kong. He was an American physician who was also a Buddhist scholar. And yeah. that's that that was actually what brought you to the United States. Of yeah. course, that puts um that puts an end to what you were doing in Hong Kong, which yeah. you were a published author, you were a lecturer and a, and a, and a concert performer for Guqing as well as Buddhist studies. And now fast forward to the United States, your life really changed. And it's a very interesting transition because uh, I know you were a writer in Chinese and published and best-selling writer being Chinese in Hong Kong. Then you came to the United States, which I experienced that when I moved here, because I wanted to be a writer when I was growing up, and I wrote a lot of poetry. And But came, coming here, all of a sudden, it's a different language. And I had, I had a belief when I was growing up, in order to be a good writer, the only way you can truly, anyone can truly become a good writer is you must have, you must read. 
tremendously. You must read. If you haven't had this big background in reading, then your writing is going to be um, you wouldn't even know what good writing would be. And I know in our conversation, you mentioned that you come to the United States. Of course, you spoke English in Hong Kong, but now this is this is different. You have to write in English, and you're telling your stories in in a different way. So tell us a little bit about what happened. Okay, when I first moved to the United States, um, we lived in Cleveland, not uh, not New York. In Cleveland, mm -hmm. as you know, they don't have anything. <laughs> Chinese related to Chinese right. culture, you know, and, and actually, there is the university of the Kent State University. They actually they have some program on ethnomusicology. Oh. Yeah, they invited me once to, to give a talk. I don't remember. Um, they hired me as visiting scholar, something like this, for mm. a year. You know, yeah. There's some something going on in Cleveland, no, Kent State University, but it's very far away. So, right. but anyway, um, so of course I couldn't find a job. You know, I was very active in Hong Kong. You know, yeah. I organized like hundreds of concerts. Some I participate, some I invite famous people. You yeah. know, mm -hmm. I and each concert has a theme. Like I have Chinese piano music, Buddhist mm -hmm. music, Taoist music, mm -hmm. Chinese folk songs, mm -hmm. uh, narrative music, all kinds of different themes. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I have, I had nothing to do. Right? I mean, I'm that kind of person. I'm constantly doing something. I understand. I find life fulfilling. Right. <laughs> I can't stop for a minute. Right. But I couldn't do anything. And of course, you couldn't teach them because there's no Chin students at that era. No, 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 that's not, not possible at all, especially in Cleveland. And so I decided I'm going to write my novels because writing my novels has been my dream for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. But I never had a chance because in Hong Kong, I'm, I was so busy as a professor you know, and concert mm -hmm. organizers and also writers, but writer, writers, academic books related to my teaching. Right. Like I said, I decided to write novels. You know, I'm not going to write. But actually, when I was in the United States in Cleveland the first year, I finished writing a book in the United States. Uh, it's this one. I, my book on Buddhism. Zen talks, Zen paintings. It's a pun, you know, right? Hua and Hua. Yeah, and I did all the paintings, eight mm. paintings uh, in, in this. And this this um, this was a bestseller <laughs> when it first came out. Uh, it was published a long time. I did all the paintings. There are about thirty paintings. About thirty paintings. Eight paintings. Eight certain paintings. So um, I wrote this book, and after that, I said I'm going to write now. And I haven't written anything. I wrote a little bit short stories in Hong Kong, in Chinese, but not in English. And so, in order to be a good writer, because it's very, very difficult to get published, now people just self-publish, right? Self-publish has a major problem, right? Because nobody knows about your writing. You don't have someone to promote at all. So I never thought of self-publishing then. Now it's a different situation. Right, the, the world has shifted. Social media as, uh, right. as Back in the day, you didn't have access. Yeah, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. So first, I took writing classes. Particularly, actually, there's more grammar classes than writing yes. classes because right. you have to deal with that as a as a <laughs> Chinese from Hong Kong. Yeah, that's a first um, line, the first layer yeah, is the technique of, of writing. Uh, a lot of took a lot of grammar classes and a lot of writing classes, and then I forced myself to read at least two hundred books a year. Wow, yeah, two hundred novels a year, 
and compare different authors and analyze their sentence structure because that's mm -hmm. the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes they have to short, short, short sentence. Sometimes they have a long sentence. You cannot have one paragraph with all long sentence. You have to pay attention to all these minor details. But mm -hmm. when people they don't pay attention, they just oh smooth reading. Oh, I love it. I love it. But they don't know that you spend so much effort behind. Nobody knows. So short. And how many long sentences before I have a short one? I calculate all this. I experiment with all this. And some people suddenly have a very, very good image. That's the best is an image. And what do I mean by image? A very famous Chinese author, Zhang Ailing. Yes, 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 yes. Uh -huh. I love her writing. Right, of course, she lived in Los and Angeles. Especially her short stories years. and essays, but her, her novels actually are not up to standard in my opinion. She is excellent in short stories. And mm -hmm. she has a very famous saying, life is like a sequent, is it the right pronunciation? That means a beautiful evening gown. Sequent, that life yeah. is a beautiful, sparkling sequent evening gown, gown mm -hmm. trolled with box. What kind of image? Stunning, right? Right. <laughs> and then you right. first, oh, beautiful. You, you had it already the image of a beautiful evening gown, right? Mm -hmm. you, you go to all those fancy parties wearing this gown and people praise it and suddenly it's crawl with box. And she said, life is like this. I mean, whether it's right or not, she has such a stunning image, never yes. leave your right. mind. So right. I try to strive to learn and to create images like mm -hmm. this. I mean, beautiful, it doesn't have to be shocking like hers, but beautiful images. You, you just have to be, and that is hard because that you have to have creativity, not just because you study. You have to have creativity too. Yes. I study yes. a lot people's images, you know, mm -hmm. how do they come up with the images and I analyze the sentence structure, the sentence. Sometimes I even memorize. It's a very good sentence. I even memorize. Mm -hmm. So I work very hard on learning all this skill. Number one is skill. Number mm -hmm. two is what you write about. But right. skill always number one. Always number one. You don't have the skill, no matter what noble thoughts you have. You're yeah, not communicating, you're not delivering, no, you which of course translates yeah. into music, yeah. translates into visual art, yeah. which you're also an artist. And uh, I, I do agree with it because my mother taught Chinese literature. So ever since I was a very small child, I just read, you know, I weren't, they weren't always children's books either. They were full books, fully written. And yeah. uh, my habit was reading three to four books a day because, you know, after a while your speed picks up. And that's one thing I always lament is coming to America. I feel like my reading speed is not the same in Chinese. And, uh, but I, it, the basic layer is the writing skills has to be there. Then you share the content, the story. And I do want to toggle over to the screen real quick to your website because you talk about imagery. And of course, the first book I was exposed to that was yours was a Peach Blossom Pavilion. Oh. And yes, yeah. and I want people to see um, you know, this is a visual of, of course, the peach blossoms, uh, the peach blossom pavilion is this orange one. Yeah, yeah. And red <laughs> petals from the sky. You know, even the titles of those books, even the petals titles from the sky of those books. is about my parents' love story and somewhat my life. Of course, I add a lot of, you know, right. dramatic events to it. But the petals from the sky is uh, my parents' love story oh. and my own story. Wow. The nuns that I grew up with. I mean, not grew up with. I mean, right. I spent a lot of time with. 
Buddha's not. Right. So I know Buddhism, you know, I can say from the inside. Right. <laughs> right. And then, of course, the Peach Blossom Pavilion. But even the titles are such imageries. You know, they're such imageries. And um, and I just think that's so beautiful. And, of course, the tenacity. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, obviously, uh, when you first wrote your novels, you started to send them to publishers. Mm-hmm. And they were not considered because, it, you know, topics about China and Chinese culture were not, something that they felt had a popular appeal. And so it took you 15 years or so before yeah. you were actually able to get published. And then of course, yeah. I, it got on several best-selling lists and uh-huh. critically acclaimed <laughs> reviewed by the New York Times. Uh-huh. But what kept you going those 15 okay. years? Mm-hmm. Success in one way is because you never quit. Uh, I remember the fa- very famous painter in China, Qi Bai Shi, right? Yes, yes, yes. Um, my parents have some of their some of his paintings. Yes, <laughs> we have a lot now. <laughs> yes, well, um, it's it's more sentimental, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. And one time, a reporter asked him, "What is the secret to success?" And his um, his answer is perfect. He said, "Very simple. I pick up my brush and never put it down." I love that. How easy and how difficult. Yeah, I don't put it down. Seems easy, right? I just don't put it down. That means every minute he's painting. He never put his brush down. Mm-hmm. You you never put, and then some way there will be success. But of course, you have to learn it the right way. And how to learn it the right way? Now it's easy with YouTube, social media. I mean, not social media. Online stuff, right? I'm easy mm-hmm. to learn. So I always tell my students, if you fail to learn, I have no sympathy because it's, you have access to all these resources. Everything. Information, mm-hmm. not my ego. It's struggle, struggle, you know, to, 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 be, to be somewhere. But nowadays, right. I mean, you just have to learn. And then, of course, um, um, you have to find a good teacher. Good teacher, mm-hmm. good teacher is vital in the way. Yes. Because they will teach you the right method. Otherwise, you learn all the wrong methods. And Agreed. the second thing, good thing about a good teacher, and he has to be a generous, he or she has to be a generous teacher too. Yes. Is for the connection. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Very I mean, much so. <laughs> so I consider my students quite lucky. <laughs> yeah, because I remember when I was um, starting to study in New York, and one of the things my agent told me was, I'm going to introduce you to a teacher who can really transform your singing. But in addition to that, he's connected with all the right people. And the artist is not able to, well, at least before the pandemic, the pandemic has changed a lot of that. But before, you didn't have access to be heard. You didn't have access to to meet people. But, you know, um, and having somebody making the introductions for you, it's always easier for somebody else to champion you than for you to champion yourself. Yes, but, but then, of course, yeah. yeah, sorry, sorry. But I'd love for you to talk about how did you become connected? Because there was so much perseverance and tenacity and the incredible attitude that goes with that part of your story that I loved for people to hear about. The most important thing actually is um, besides the persistence, you know, to succeed. Mm-hmm. And then, um, how to put it, one thing is you have to be well prepared. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, an agent, oh, she looks good and she dressed well. Maybe, you know, see whether she can do something for us, but you have nothing to offer. 
all what you offer is junk. Yeah. Then even the opportunity knock at your door, you're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. I always also tell my students, have to prepare all the time, put yourself prepared, at least to your best. Mm -hmm. I mean, not compare to someone like this, but do your best. And you always get opportunity. And that's my experience. <laughs> I get opportunities because I'm so, who said that? Is it, um, I don't remember, maybe uh, Woody Allen. Uh, luck is uh, what preparation plus opportunity. That is luck. Right, nobody right, 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 right. Lucky, right. nobody. The only luck is you don't have to prepare. Is if you were born into a rich family, the right? You just you come out into already. all that wealth. Yeah, <laughs> born into wealth, connection, and fame already. Mm -hmm. And fine, yeah. But but it's always in and young to anything. And some mm -hmm. rich kids, they cannot deal with the pressure and some, uh, as we all know, some kind of become drug addict because they can't deal with, it's too much, too much. Right, <laughs> right, so, yes, so. yes. And uh, so of course, you know, one of the one, most wonderful things that I've come to know about you is uh, nothing ever stays still. You're always propelling forward. So there are some new things that's coming up. You have been writing and publishing children's books. And uh, so I'd love to know what next. And, uh, and of course, you mentioned you also have been making some visual art. And so can you share some of those things with us? Yeah, let me share my visual art first, because I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to do another two books. My, actually, I, I thought I posted this on Facebook in the past. Yes. But I just, um, that's my artwork, oh. that's my calligraphy. Who do you know? This is right. my student's hand. My students have very beautiful hands. And one time she play like this, I said, stop, and I take a picture, and, and I did this painting. How beautiful. On her hand. Yes. On her hand. And this is exactly her hand, beautiful hands. I love it. Uh, <laughs> And my calligraphy. Yes. So this is silver, if you can see, it's silver. Yes, yes, yes. Now we can see that the iridescence. Yeah. My calligraphy um, combined with painting. Lovely. I love that. Yeah. Um, so my recent projects, I always have projects because I can't. I love that. <laughs> stay still. Uh, I'm going to publish, not publish, uh, uh, I mean, a publisher contact me and to do more, two more children's books, two more. Um, wow. It's a very big publisher. It's the biggest actually in Europe. And so I'm, I'm working on that. I'm gonna do the illustration soon, I finished the writing. Oh. And uh, I have two more books also um, on the in instrument, on the chin. And it's, uh, it's the Shanghai Music Conservatory Press. Sure, sure, sure. Finished one, yeah, and I still have one more. And <laughs> the thing is, is it takes a long, a much longer time to write because these two books will be bilingual. Wow. So because now many, many foreigners also interested in Chin. So they're smart. Right. I mean, they make it bilingual, but they only mind a problem. I don't know how they promote because a lot of people like, let's say they know about it's bilingual because a lot of Americans, they don't know how to purchase those in China. I mean, I don't have a Chinese account, but I have students. They ask their parents or their, their brothers whatever friends and they, they they buy books or things for me and then they ship it to the United States for me but if you're Americans how do you do that I don't know yeah unless you have strength in China and they're willing to do it for you too because wow. it's some kind of uh, you know it is. <laughs> well, so that's my present 
project. Do I have more? <laughs> well, maybe people can put on Alibaba or something. Who knows? <laughs> projects. <laughs> right. I love that. You're always doing something, and it's always something that contributes for the greater good of the humankind. And I love your work. And uh, and I'm just feeling so fortunate that you're willing to join us today. Okay. And uh, I think. Yeah, I think your your knowledge, first of all, educates people. You're an educator, you're a writer, you're a musician, you're an artist, and uh, but it also is inspiring just for us to see your journey and see all that desire to continuously reinventing, taking risks, not to be afraid, taking risks, not to be afraid of both failure and success, because success presents even more challenges, right? Because yeah. then, then you'll be asked to, to do more. And then there is a requirement of now you have to be above and above and above. Yeah. So that emotional tenacity and to see your spirit and to see your heart for your students. And it is just so beautiful and wonderful. And I'm just so grateful you joined us. And as, as I promised, you're probably already hearing in the background, you can hear uh, Mimei's uh, singing. And that is the Chinese singing that she's doing. So thank you so much. And I hope you'll thank come you back. Thank you, Sharon, Yeah, I hope you'll come back and we can talk a little bit more the next time. Yeah, sure. yeah I'm sure you with your new projects, there'll be even more to talk about. So until the next time, thank you so much. Likewise, likewise. Thank okay. you. Bye. Bye. Bye.
去。